Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, October 29th. It is going to be a big day because after this drops in your feed, I'm going to be hyper-focused on the release of third quarter economic growth or GDP, gross domestic product. It is expected to be a huge number, probably I don't know, up 30% in the third quarter. Now, remember, it's an annualized number. And to go back in time, the economy grew at about, let's call it a 2.5% pace per year for about 10 years. Then we got to COVID and output dropped by 5% annually in the first quarter, dropped by more than 31% in the second quarter. Now it's going to bounce back up in the third quarter. But that's history, right? I don't care. I'd still like to see a positive number, wouldn't you? Really would make us feel a little bit better to see that at least some of the losses are being recouped. I'll talk to you more about it tomorrow. I'll give you some of the details, but that's what's expected. So be sure that when you uh, scrolling through your feed, just remember when you see 30% up, remember that that doesn't mean like 31 down, 30 up. We're close to being back to where we were. Mm -mm. Even with a 30% up quarter, on an annualized basis. So it's really not 30%, but you get that. Even with that, the US economy would be about 4% smaller than it was before the virus hit. So that's how behind we are. All right. If you've got a financial question, don't forget to send us an email. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. If you'd like to appear on the air with us, let us know because Mark will arrange that. He's very good, very smart like that. Okay, this is from David who writes, Hey, Jill and Mark, I have been a longtime listener and I'm reaching out for a colleague who moved to California about four years ago. Colleague recently disclosed they've never submitted taxes since the move. Oh, sure, it's a colleague. You sure it's not you? Sure it's not? Okay. <laughs> David writes, I've been asked to be an accountability buddy and wonder what is the best way to submit multiple years of past due returns? Should we use a service like TurboTax or go see a tax advisor to prepare? I would generally say the colleague seems to have very few tangible assets. Life has gotten complicated with a cross-country move to California. So two state tax returns in one year, a dependent in the past year. I want to be helpful and make the journey as easy as possible. Your guidance is always appreciated. David, get you and your buddy to an accountant and let's get this thing handled the right way. There's at least too many complications that you're recounting. I would have this done. It's not the worst thing in the world. The guy's going to owe some 
some fees and interest and there's going to be some penalties, but you know what? Just get it done, please. Please go to an accountant or a tax preparer directly. I, I really would not mess around with this. This is from a devoted listener, Anonymous. Okay. Anonymous writes, love your podcast and trusted advice each day. I'll get right to it. Our net worth is $1.7 million with a 600,000 equity in our home. That's worth about 950,000 plus 1.1 million across 401k and IRA. You know, it's funny, Mark, when I talk about net worth, I never talk about equity in my house ever, ever, ever. I just never even think about it because I know it's part of the net worth calculation, but honestly, if I can't use it, then I'm not interested in it. So I'd be very careful, by the way, when you when you use those kinds of numbers, not to include equity in your house as some asset for retirement, because chances are it's not going to be, okay? I'm 58. I earn $150,000 a year. My husband, who lost his job in October at age 61, will take Social Security in a few months. There's an asterisk. Hold on. I'm going down. Ah, here's the background. My husband will take Social Security at 62 because his genes do not favor longevity. Plus, he's had significant and serious health problems of late. Not good. Downsizing really isn't an option because our family's here and there's very little around the town for less. So seriously, a townhouse is as much as a house. My job is shaky with COVID too. All right. So that's when you do take social security early, when there's a real issue. Okay. Makes sense. We're now on one income. We're seriously considering a CARES Act withdrawal where my spouse and I each take $100,000 to wipe out our first mortgage, which is $53,000 federally sponsored parent loans and credit card debt and a 401k loan that we use for college expenses. Okay. With this $150,000 cleared post-tax, it would wash thousands in payments each month. It would allow us to breathe easier. I've talked to a CPA. He said he didn't think it was a bad idea with my husband already retired, plus the benefit to spread the tax bite across three years. If we pull the trigger, we'd be left with only a $288,000 home equity line of credit that we're paying interest only on with the intention of paying that off upon the sale of our home. I thought you weren't selling your home. What's going on here? Wait a second. With very high closing costs. Okay. So they don't want to refinance. They're not going to be there between five for five to seven years. So should we take $200,000 out, pay the debts and breathe? Such a big withdrawal. We're nervous about this. Thanks, Jill. Stay safe. Greatly appreciative of what you do. I get a pearl each day from the podcast. Thanks for Mark in the background. Sincerely, a devoted listener. All right. So this is a very strange situation. So they can't refi. Here's a question for you. If I look at this situation, you know what? I I agree. You could take the money out, but why pay off the first mortgage? Actually, if you're going to end up selling the house, right? You say, then you'd be left with the home equity line of credit, 288000 Then you'd have the first, which is 53000 It's probably like very little interest and mostly principal on that. Leave those two and then get rid of the parent loans, the credit card debt, and the 401k loan. You'll have two, right? You'll have the first mortgage at 53000 You'll have the home equity line of credit. Wouldn't you just pay both of these loans off when you sell the house? With very high closing costs and taxes in New York for refine, because we don't see ourselves here beyond five to seven years, a refi hasn't made sense. So to me, what I would say is that 
Why pay off any of the mortgage debt? Why pay off the first mortgage at all? So I would take the 401k distribution, make sure you fill out the paperwork properly. Yes, spread it out over three years. And I think you'll be all set. And, you know, when you sell the house, then you'll be in much better shape. So good luck. Let me know if I've missed anything. There were a lot of pieces of that um, story. So hopefully I didn't conflate things. Okay, here's a question. Let me make sure I can say his name. Dennis. Thank God. Hi, Jill. Love your podcast. Great advice and insight. I've been with a broker that uses mutual funds for investing. And he has me in over, wait for it, 44 different mutual funds. Oh my God. Marcus says, God damn on that one. The new brokerage company reviewed my portfolio, said it probably has lots of duplication and it's over diversification. It's an old school approach. The new firm invests in company stocks. My current broker doesn't have a hands-on approach. He charges 1.17% of assets in addition to the mutual funds. I'm thinking the moving the brokerage account and my 401k to the new company would only charge me 0.85% on the assets. They'd slowly sell out of the mutual funds when needed, consolidate into a stock's They clear through Schwab, no trades or commissions charge. A third-party administration company for qualified pension plans and the clients that are with the brokerage company, the new one, are happy with their performance, has more up-to-date approach. With the election coming up, hard to know what's going to happen. Let me know your thoughts. Dennis, I don't know. Here's what I think. Really? You got to go to someone who's using individual stocks. Can you not just do this? First of all, can you do this yourself? That's my big question. And are we just talking, you didn't say how much money you had, but I'm wondering if you could potentially just use a robo-advisor that uses index funds and uses passive investing, because actually that does make the most sense. I can't comment on like stock pickers. I really can't. I'd have to really dig in and see what they look like and what their approach is. But in general, I try to pick the much easier, simpler method, and that would be to use no load index funds and do it yourself. You could do it at Vanguard or Fidelity or T. Rowe Price or Charles Schwab, but you could do it in a million different places. Or you can just use a robo-advisor, which is an automatic investment platform. And then you will be charged less than half of a percent. And I think 85 basis points just for investing is too much. That's all. Okay. How about that? Okay. Here is a question from Brigitta. Am I putting away too much money? Do you think I can afford a home? I'm 49 years old, teacher, car debt of just $5,000, credit card at $800. I make $96,000 a year. I lost out on some tutoring income that was bringing in uh, an additional 15 grand because of COVID. I have a pension, 7% fixed rate, $130,000. That's pretty great. A deferred comp has $100,000. Puts 5% of income in another two to $5,000 a year to Schwab IRA. Stocks combined worth $135,000. Am I going overboard? That's the question. No house. Rent is $500. I'm helping mom. Can I afford to purchase a home? I have five months of savings in a 2%. Yeah, I'm sure you can afford a home, but why would you buy a home if you've got $500 in rent? You're never going to find a deal like that. I mean, if you feel like you just want to spend more money, that's one thing. You probably are oversaving for retirement, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should buy a house. $500 a month, what on, I mean, you can't buy a house for that little. So I want to know more about like how much you'd have to spend on a house, 
how um, long you think you would want to wait to be doing that. You know, do I have a few years? Do you want to do it right now? Oh, God. All right. That's it for today's show. Uh, happy Thursday. I hope you're getting very excited for the GDP report. Remember, it comes out at 830 Eastern time. We'll tell you about it tomorrow. If you have a financial question, you can just send us an email. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Please encourage your friends to subscribe to us. We have all the stuff right on the front door of the website at jillonmoney.com. If you wouldn't mind, how about a rating, a review? We would really appreciate it. Uh, I always forget to do this. I should do it more often. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio, the silent Mark, is our executive producer, and we are distributed by Cadence 13. Do not let up. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Maintain your physical distancing. And please try to lift someone else up today. It will make you feel better. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.